we're closer to the greatest event as this world's ever known he's coming when christ shall return again to claim his own he's coming my lord is coming He'll not be alone. He'll bring loved ones who've already gone. They're coming. And the power that raised Christ that day will enter into the grave. He's coming. My Lord is coming. Then the dead in Christ told us in his word to watch and pray then we'll not be ashamed at his coming some will not be prepared don't let him catch you unaware at his coming my lord is coming then at last his eyes shall see tonight, but I also was nervous this morning because I already knew, and I'm not, but every once in a while we do a series with young people. When I say a series, you'll know what I mean, but the bride may get on a series of Nehemiah and the gates. Everybody say amen right there. I know, I know a lot about those gates because my pastor likes to preach on those gates, and it's good, but I, I, and I know Brother Dylan picks on them, but every, right now we're going through a series in Sunday school on words that will, a hundred words that will radically change your prayer life. And uh, we're looking at different words, but Kackendall wrote a great book, and we're using it parallel with the Bible, not just in a book, but we're looking, and sometimes we'll get on that, and we may be on it a few weeks, but very rarely does God give me, or very rarely do I preach back-to-back services, and I know I'll be here again Wednesday night, and I don't know if God will direct us in this area or not, but God's beginning to birth 
a series of messages in my, my heart on the mighty man of David. So you'll say, well, you understand. if you were here this morning, Brother Brian started preaching. I said, please, Lord, do not let him preach on the mighty man of David because I am not going after him preaching on that. I heard Brother Mark say one time he asked a preacher for permission if he could preach on the book of Ruth. If somebody asked him, Brother Mark said, you preach on Ruth, and I'm going to write down everything you say and preach it somewhere else. So I was sitting there this morning, and I was listening to the service, but I was already praying, Lord, please let him take a turn. Please let him take a turn. Don't let him get to the mighty man of David. But whatever he would have said would have been fine. But I'm thankful if I could pick one character tonight, Brother Matt, in all the Bible, if it's not like this, but if I could, if I could only have one character to study for the rest of my life, it'd be the life of David. And you know why I like David? These young people know I love the book of Ruth. I love the story. And, but David is so special to me, and it's pretty simple of why it is, Brother David. He messed up royally in his life multiple times, and God still used him. You know what? I want God to use me in my life, and I mess up royally every day of my life. But if I just can study how God can use a man that fell flat on his face and still use him to, to do things for the cause of Christ, that interests me. And I love the life of David. Brother Brian was talking this morning about David being king, and tonight I'm not king. I can't be king, and I'm not king of this church. I'm not, I'm not even really king of my castle. He said, who's in charge? Miss Christie does a lot. I'm just kidding. But, I mean, Malachi told her on Mother's Day, he said, I don't know why we have Mother's Day. You're still going to have to do something because Dad don't know how to do nothing. And that's what he told her that day. And I said, praise the Lord. And uh, he was about, about all right. And uh, he said today, he said, coming home from lunch, he said, one of them said, when's kids' day? I said, every day besides today and Mother's Day is kids' day. Every day ends with a why. And uh, so it's, it's always kids' day. But when I tell you for sure, I may not be king here or king of a, a nation, but I can be a mighty man for the Lord. And that's what my desire is tonight. I want to be a mighty man, not only for my pastor, for this church, but for my Lord and Savior Man, I want to be a mighty man. These men, I'm not going to preach all of them tonight. I'm not going to preach on one tonight, maybe another one on, or maybe something like this on Wednesday night. But man, I, I'm encouraged out of 2 Samuel chapter number 23, just studying these men. These men stuck their neck out. You see a lot of times in political races that you see uh, men that, and it may not be good or bad, but they show what side they're on and they sell out altogether. You know, if they're part of the current administration and they start supporting another administration, if that administration don't win, you know what's going to happen to them. They're going to lose their job. So sometimes we kind of say, man, I'm for you. Just don't tell nobody that I'm for you. But when you sell out to something and you believe in it so much as you publicly make it known that come sink or high water, no matter what happens, sink or swim, I'm with you with all that I've got. That's selling out. Now, I want the Lord to know, Brother Mike, tonight with all of my heart, I'm with him. No matter what happens, say, Brother Brandon, if you stick your neck out for old-time religion, young people, if you stick your neck out for believing right in the King James Bible and the right singing and the right preaching and all of that, you're going to be ridiculed. Say, Brother Brandon, there's a chance that I might get made fun of. There's a great chance for that. But can I tell you, it's a blessing just to say, Lord, whatever it is, whatever is going, Pastor, whatever you need, whatever the church is doing, I'm in it, I'm in it, I'm in it. That's a great, great blessing. And these men had the opportunity to pull back and say, you know what, Saul is still king. Now, I, I, I'm for David, I, I appreciate David, but until that man moves into Saul's bedroom, I'm not speaking, but that's not what they did. Brother Devin, they began to follow after David, and they knew that David was going to be God's man. They knew that David was going to be, had the heartbeat of God. They knew they could see what was happening, and, and they went against Saul. They went against the Philistines. They went against, they were for David, and they risked their life doing so. And I tell you tonight, I'm encouraged by that. And I want to look at it just for a second tonight. In 2 Samuel chapter number 23, our pastor gave me a great launching board. And I hope he wouldn't fix a springboard into a message concerning the mighty men of David because he's probably not going to be happy with me after tonight. But 2 Samuel 23, 
we are introduced to some of these mighty men of David. As our pastor explained this morning, these men who were separated themselves from King Saul and decided to stand with King David. In doing so, they were laying their life on the line for King David with no going back. As I said a while ago, they were committed to the plan of God that David would be the next king. In other words, they made a public announcement that they were going to stand with God's man. Can I tell you, there may be a time in our life, and there ought to be a time in all of our life, that we make a public stand. Not only that we're going to stand with the man of God as our pastor, but with Kevin, that we're going to stand with God no matter what happens. These men did that. Would to God that we'd have Christians, that I'd be a Christian, both male and female, not just mighty men, but by the mighty women of the faith that would publicly make it known that they're going to stand by the agent with the king of kings and also the man of God. These verses from verse number 8 to verse number 39 would teach us great lessons of leadership, how to set the mark high on a total surrenderance of our Christian life. But then when we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 23, we have seen the speech of David. In verse number 8, we've seen the spear of Adino. In verse number 9 through 10, we've seen the sword of Eleazar. And now we have fought to this point, we have claved. He fought to a point that, the, that he had claved the sword into his hand. But I'm interested tonight in verse number 11. In verse number 12, we're going to read here in just a second by this third mighty man by the name of Samah. There's many pastors that I've listened to and have studied this, and there's many men that can describe his life greater than I, and I pulled information from, from all of those men of God and all those commentaries, but I just simply want to preach the Bible tonight and show you something that God gave me in his life. I encourage you, if you've never studied these men and understood, studied what they did, I encourage you to take time and to study it. But tonight, when we get to verse number 11, the Bible says, and after him, speaking of after Eleazar here and after Adino, it says in verse number 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, and uh, the Herite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. Notice verse number 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it. And he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now that's pretty simple. That's two verses that sum up a man's life. There's a lot in those two verses we're going to look at tonight. Lightning quick. But tonight I thought about David in these verses. These three men teach us some things about being mighty men of the faith. These men have taught us the importance of not quitting. No matter the circumstances or the outcome of the mic or the political view, they teach us the importance of loyalty and dependability. As a matter of fact, just a few verses over in verse number 13 and 16, I preached before. You see, and I'm going to paraphrase it tonight or shorten it for the sake of time. But we see tonight with the devil that we see King David simply desires to drink some water from a well that he remembered. And, the, and this well, Brother Matt, is behind enemy territory. Well, these men, all they do is they hear their king, Brother Hoyt, but the German, all they say was they heard him say, man, I long to drink from that well. What did they do? The Bible says that three or four of them got together and they went down and they busted the enemy camp and they got him water from that well, risked their life for a cup of water, brought it back, and David, the Bible says David poured it out as unto the Lord. But I'm telling you, these three men, these men, they loved David so much that whether it was a drink of water or whether it was a nab or whether whatever it was going to be, if he desired it, they were going to make sure he had it. They were sold out. To helping their king. They were sold out, Brother Allen, to helping their king, willing to risk their life for a cup of water. You say, Brother Brandon, no, that's, that's foolish. No, that's dependability. That's commitment. That is something that ought to be desired in our lives. Would to God that I'd be a Christian, that we'd all be Christians that would have the desire not only to please our, our, our pastor and our, our, but our Savior, more importantly, our man of God that devotes his life, sacrifices his family, and surrenders his will to the cause of Christ. 
And I've said all that to say this by introduction. When we come to verse number 11 tonight, we are introduced to the third mighty man that God has laid on my heart for this service in this hour. Adino and Eleazar have taught us to preserve or, or persevere in spite of the number and the surroundings, but tonight Shammah teaches us the importance of simply staying or standing. I want to preach just for a second on that thought. Maybe the same title Wednesday night, I'm not sure, but just keep standing. Brother Brandon, how do you see that in verses number 11 and verse number 12? When we come to verse number 11, we introduce to these, this, this third mighty man, one of the most impactful words, young people, listen, one of the most impactful words of our Christian life is the word stay. I'll never forget, many of you may know him, you may like him, you may not, but I remember very, very early in my ministry, Brother Steve Cox was a great help to me, and his dad, Brother Daryl Cox, there in Moxville at Trinity Baptist Church. Brother, De- Brother Steve was a youth pastor there. I don't know, Brother Kevin, you may know, probably 20-some years. I mean, I'm talking about for a long time. He was a youth pastor there. And he told me one time when I asked him a question, and Brother Cameron, I think, was with me that night. We were down there. Y'all may have been there as well. Brother Mark Stroud preached. We were in the middle of the parking lot with a tent set up at an angle, but we went down there. That's the night Brother Cameron was taking classes, and he said, i got to ask you some questions. He said, what's the greatest thing about ministry? I said, the people. He said, all right, what's the worst thing about ministry? I said, the people. And Brother Cameron said, man, that confuses me, but he's figured it out. He knows now. But I remember that night, Brother Steve telling me when I asked him, I don't remember how the question came out, but something like this, how in the world do you build a youth program like you've got here at this church? He simply said, just stay. When it gets hard, just stay. When it's good, just stay. Can I tell you why this church door is still open tonight? Is somebody, Brother Allen, a long time ago just decided, Brother Harold, to stay. Brother Brandon, there's been high times, there's been low times, there's been smiling, there's been tears, there's been fussing, there's been fighting, but somebody just stayed. This tonight, Shammah's going to teach us something very quickly in this text about staying. The word stay is so important for numerous reasons, just but for a few tonight, I thought about these reasons leading into this as introduction quickly. I thought about the first, first of all, the consequences of not staying. Because there are consequences for not staying. You realize I tell these young people every week, you're going to make a decision on what you're going to do for God, and not making a decision is still making a decision. If you leave out of here that night, Brother Mark preached, no doubt that's the conviction that was here that night. Brother Kevin, I'm still blessing over that and rejoicing over that, but more than likely somebody left that night lost. And they may still be lost and be here tonight. You say, Brother Brandon, I'm just not going to choose salvation right now. Do you realize that is making a decision that one day will eternally cost you everything? Because not making a decision is making a decision. But I've seen other, sadly, and, and, and breaks my heart to think about this, Brother Evan, but the first, the consequence of not staying, breaks my heart to start thinking about individuals, both adults and Brother Allen teens that have walked away from Christ. Some of them, I don't know where they are, where their life is taking them. Others, I drive past their house every day and get this, and I'm not calling names, and I'm not asking you to start thinking about who I'm talking about, but I drive past their house every day, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, and though they may wave their hand at me, though many of them, Brother Allen, I still service their car and meet their needs, and they talk about how much they love my boys. I can tell you that at some point in their life, they made a decision not to stay in church, and now I can wave at them. We can talk about old times. But things are not the same in their life, and it breaks my heart. But can I tell you, I could be in the same place tonight. Because a decision not to stay is a decision that will destroy your family. Brother Brandon, it ain't a big deal. Can I tell you, Brother George, there'll be families 
whose their kids were impacted by that and their, their grandkids will never get to know what church is and what the grandparents remembered and the grandparents may be saved and, and the grandparents, they ought to be miserable if they are. And I'm not picking on anybody tonight because I've got family tonight that's not in church. I tell you, it blew me up. I'm not gonna say, I wouldn't go say this, but I will. I got a phone call right before I left to come to church and, and I love this dear man. I wouldn't dare call his name, but he wanted to know if he could bring a, a tire to my house to get fixed. I always get tires brought to my house to get fixed. But he said, are you going to be home in about 30 minutes? And it was about 15 minutes before church started. And I said, absolutely, I'm not going to be home. I'm on my way to preach. Can I tell you why? This isn't common anymore. And I'm just thankful for a church that's open on Sunday night and Sunday morning and Wednesday night to where I know I've got a place to go. And I can't be here all the time. Vacation season's coming. There's trips coming. I'm not bashing that. But I'm thankful. I want somebody to know that I'm going to church on Sunday night, you say, but the brand, I don't need that. Man, I need it. I need it. Now, I'm not being ugly, and I'm still going to fix this tire tomorrow. I'm not going to poke a hole in it, but I wanted them to know real quickly that I'm not at home grilling a steak tonight. I'm at church because it's where God wants me to be. But the Brandon, why we get on that, I don't know. It's not in my notes. It just happened to fall right there in that place. Staying. There's consequences, Brother Matt, for not staying. You, take me a fa- you show me a family that was in church for a short amount of time, and God blessed their life. Brother Kevin, they made a decision to pull out of church. Brother Asian, I'll show you a family that is headed for destruction. Now, I love them, and some of them are much better Christians than I am. Not all of them come to this church. I'm not condemning this church. I'm talking about family members that I sit with, elbow to elbow, arm to arm, kids that still call me when it gets close to camp time, wanting to know who's going to camp. Why? Because it bothers them that they're not in church, that they're not here, that they're not faithful, and it's mom and daddy, it's mine and you. It's our generation's fault for pulling them out. I don't want that on my conscience as a consequence for not staying. Families are a mess. Children will never raise their grandchildren in the house of God. They've sat in, they in their last spirit-filled revival or camp meeting, and I could preach on this all night long. I'm just not trying to scare you. I'm just warning you. If anything else you can learn from the life of Shama tonight, real quickly, is simply just to stay. Don't go nowhere. Just stay. Brother Brandy means stay here all night. I'm not saying stay here all night. I'm just saying whether it be this church or whatever church, don't ever, ever separate from the house of God. There's life stories that, that I'll remember forever, and I'm, not going to keep, I'm going to move on, so I'm not laboring on this hall, but there's great consequences for not staying. Can I say tonight I may not be much, and I'm not, I'm not much of a preacher, and I may not be much of a youth pastor, but I'm just thankful tonight to still be in the fight for the cause of Christ. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't ever... Man, you talk about what scares me to death more than anything else. And I don't know why I'm laboring here. This ain't even the message. But I'm just telling you, will you get past this or not? I never, Brother Josh, ever, 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 Brother Kevin, want one of these young people to see me outside of church and then say, you know what? One, at one point, he used to be a youth pastor. And he used to come to church. Man, he told me it was important to go to church, and he ain't even coming anymore. I do not want to be a liar or a fraud to one of them young people. So if for no other reason, Brother Allen, I'm coming because I'm commanded to come, because I have a desire to come, I'm also coming out of fear because I never, ever want to lose my impact on a young person because I was fake in the ministry of Christ. Your coming makes all the difference in the world. Brother Brandon, you said all that to say this. Notice a few things tonight about Shaman. I'm not going to, we're going to bypass a lot of this and move forward. This place that Shammah was guarding in verse number 11, it wasn't a big place. It was a little place. Look at your Bible in verse number 11. The Bible says, And after this was Shammah the son of Agi the Herite, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground. It didn't say it was big. 
So the Brandon, what does that mean to us? It don't matter what you're doing for the cause of Christ. It don't matter what you're serving in the church. It don't matter whether you're on the platform, whether you're in the bathroom stall, or whether you're serving food or doing devotions or, or doing a lady's devotion. All that stuff matters, but it ain't got to be a great thing. But if God's given us something to do, just stay. Just keep doing it. Brother Mike leading the choir, and I'm not, I may get on you in just a little bit, not on you, but in your defense. He said, come to choir practice. Listen, just keep coming. Brother Brandon, I don't want to come to choir practice. Well, come anyways, because if you don't come, you ain't going to have a clue what we're singing. Because some of them songs we sing this morning, I was sucking air trying to remember my part. And uh, I heard Brother Kevin, he got the first O, and I forgot the first O. I apologize for not echoing, but I got the second one because I remembered it. But come, just be faithful. Very few things about Shama's life were in, were in shiny lights or in a big billboard, but he just learned how to stay. In addition, this was, it was pleasing to God that he stayed, but not only was the small place where Shama stood, but it was also a lonely place. Everybody else left. Look at your Bible in verse number 11. The people fled. Can I tell you, sometimes you're going to stand. You're going to be the only one standing, Brother Devin. You're going to stand, and you're going to be the only one, Brother Jeremy, that's standing. There's sometimes that there's not going to be any choir singing. There's not going to be any preaching. There's not going to be any youth meetings or camp meetings. It's just going to be me, Brother Adrian, and the Lord. But you realize that's when God can meet my needs and God can help me. When you stay in ministry long enough, I'll tell you this, you may think I'm weird, but there's times that I'm in a room full of people. But mentally, I'm still all by myself, Brother Kevin. You're in a room full of people that love you and trying to help you, but they can't do anything for you, Miss Janet, because what I'm needing is from the Lord. Maybe in a hospital room, maybe in a funeral hall, maybe just simply in regular life, everything looks perfect in your life. Man, Brother Brandon's got it all together. He's a youth pastor. He's got two boys. He lives in East Bend. And that ain't helping me at all, I promise you that. But, but he, he, you know, he, he got the greatest job in the world. He gets to sell tires every day of his life. And, man, he just got it made. You say, Brother Brandon, I don't know why in the world you'd battle this or you'd battle this or you'd mentally be in this or why you're laboring over this. Can I tell you, whether you're a youth pastor or a church member, there's going to come some times just like Shammah, you're going to stand. You're going to stand all by yourself because God's trying to prove something to you. I've said all that to say this. Say, Brother Brandon, you made a mess of the introduction. Well, hopefully we're going to bring it to a close right here in this message. Shammah was a mighty man of David. He was a man that laid his life on the line for David. We could look back at Adino and Eleazar and all the others that fought for David, but there's something about Shammah, not his name, because I don't want to be called Shammah, but I thought about this tonight and the question, that, that phrase just keeps standing I ask myself, and I like to look into the Scripture and, and ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, Brother Matt. And I ask myself, why did Shammah stay? Why did he stay? Everybody else left. The popularity said, man, when everybody else starts going, you start going. I mean, it's simply this. I remember one time vividly, and Christian, you'll know what I'm talking about. We went down to an outdoor conference in Anderson, South Carolina with a car family. And we got up that morning early because there was a gun store in town. My brother was with me, and if there's a gun store in town, Tyler Jones is going. I mean, it don't matter what it is. They could be selling BB guns. He's going to go check it out. We got there early, Brother Evan. I've told this story before, but it leads into our message. And, man, we got there, Brother Evan, and we were parked eating chicken minis because that's the will of God to eat Chick-fil-A for breakfast, and I am a strong supporter of the one in King. If they go under, Miss Kaylin, it ain't because of me. I promise you that. But I, I was eating, and all of a sudden, people started pulling in and lining up at the door. My brother's looking at me, he says, why are they lining up at the door? And I said, I don't know. Here come another jacked up truck in. They got out five rednecks, got in line at the door. My brother has then put his chicken minis down. He's itching, Carson. He says, if one more redneck gets in line, I'm getting in line too. I don't know what it is, but Jeremy, there's got to be something worth being in line for on the other side of that door. 
Well, here they come. Tyler's got out. Wendy says, you don't even know what you're in line for, and you're in line. Turns out it was ammunition, so it was worth it. But regardless, Tyler just said, listen, I don't know why everybody else is going, but if everybody else is going, I'm going too. We just sit there and laugh at it. Because I tell you, there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of times in our life, we follow the crowd, and we follow the momentum. And if somebody's jumping ship, we all jump ship. If somebody says, hey, I'm going for God, that's why I challenge these young people, Brother Josh, every day. I don't need five to sell out. I don't need ten to sell out. I just need one young person to sell out, and all of them will follow after them. You kids that ride the van every Sunday, you say, Brother Brandon, how do I make an impact? It's only going to take one of you to change a whole group. One of you. I don't care if you ride a van or a lawnmower or whatever. It just takes one young person. There's always a boy and a girl that's the leader. Every group, every congregation, everything. And if they'll sell out, Brother Kevin, they'll change the life of every young person. And I can't do that. I can preach, I can preach, I can preach, but when one of them gets it, it'll change the life. And I thank God for the others in our church that's got it because they're making a difference in our church to me and in the life of these others. But I'm telling you, why in the world did Shama stand when everybody else left? It wasn't popular. Man, it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that day. Everybody else kneeled. It wasn't hard to find the three boys standing up in the middle. They stuck out like sore thumbs, but they didn't care. Because they wanted to stand. So why did he stand? First of all, tonight, quickly, look at this. Brother Evan, he stood, I believe, in verse number 11 because of the crop. And Brother Brandon, what do you mean by the crop? Well, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, And after them was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground. Notice the next thing, full of lentils. Now, you can argue about what a lentil is, and I probably don't eat them. If I can't pronounce it or don't know what it is, I ain't going to eat it. So if it ain't a chicken nugget or pepperoni pizza, I'm out. But there was a bunch of lentils. Now, I just imagine here that it could, have been a, it could have been a barley field, it could have been a pea field, it could have been whatever you want to say it is. You may know what a lentil is, and you may be smarter than me, but I didn't have a desire to look up what a lentil was before I preached this message because it really don't make a difference in this message. But there was a crop there, Brother Kevin. There was something there worth protecting. And this man by the name of Shammah, I believe with all my heart, the Bible says, we'll get there in a minute, he stood in the midst of this crop. Everybody else is leaving. The Philistines have, Brother Devin, they've made a circle around this crop. And what's going to happen is, just as it happened in those days, the enemies would come in. They would come in. They would either destroy the crop or they would take the crop for their self. But Shammah stood up and said, I'm not moving because this is not your crop. Somebody's worked for this crop. Somebody's invested in this crop. And I'm not going to stand by and just let somebody have what they had. I say that to say this. We've got things in this church. And we've got ministries in this church. And you've got families that somebody has invested in over and over. And if I were to ask tonight, y'all want to help me? You don't have an option. Come here. Both of you. If I were to ask you tonight, and one of you, listen, I ain't being funny. I'm married. But I'm going to hold your hands, all right? So both of you tonight, y'all understand that? Okay, so don't get no ideas. But I, I said, I was going to use you. You better be happy. But I just use these two for, for an example, Brother Josh. It's been a lot of hours. Brother Allen, it's been a lot of hours you poured into my life. It's been a lot of hours I poured into these boys' lives. And there's going to be a lot of hours they're going to pour into somebody else's life. And can I tell you, the crop's worth fighting for. Shammah stood up in the middle and he said, listen, I don't care what everybody else is doing. This might just be somebody's pea patch, but I grew it. I was part of it. It's mine. I'm going to stand up for it. Y'all are great models. All right? Y'all sit down. Y'all pay, pay them after church. But I, I thought about this. He stood because of the crop in verse number 11. This piece of ground was full of lentils. No doubt Shammah knew that he, someone had worked diligently to grow this crop in the place that Shammah made up his mind it was worth protecting. When you see the enemy intended on doing, I said that while I go to conquer a small piece of land, but 
He had investment in this small piece of land. You see, that's exactly, Brother Malachi, what the devil desires to do in our life. The devil, he didn't grow anything. He didn't start anything. But he sure is good at confiscating something that belongs to somebody else and destroying it. Over and over and over, but out in our corporate world, you see someone come in to buy up a company just to run it in the ground. They have no intentions other than just investing and building it up, no matter the, the sweat, no matter somebody that started it in, a, in their garage. I remember Mr. B. Roth, the stories that I've been told, Mr. B. Roth, he would buy a house back when you could actually build equity in a house, and he would buy a house, Brother, jo uh, Brother Josh, and he would build up equity, and he would sell that house to build another tire store. He would move his family and start over again. That's how he built 90% of our tire stores is just on equity. His family moved from one place to another place to another place to another place. Why? Because he knew the investment was worth it. Now, what would it be now for our company to be where we are? They say that the day his daughter got married, that his son-in-law came to him on a Sunday. True story. If TJ was here tonight, he'd tell you. And Mr. B. Roth was counting his money in the cash register at Stokes Tire to make sure he had enough money to open on Monday, the day that his son-in-law came asked for his daughter's name and marriage. I'm talking about working for what you've got and it mattering to you. Now, we could sell out to some, you know, I'm not going to mention any other names that I don't like, but some tire company that comes down and buys out, but they would have no care about the investment that that man made in the company. Now, sometimes it's better to sell, and I get that. I'm, if, he, if, he, if they sell out tomorrow, then I'll find something else to do. I'll go spray bugs. Everybody else in this church sprays bugs. I'll, just go, I'll go do that, too. But either, either way, whatever it may be, we'll have no bug problems in this church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I, I said that to say this. Um, Lord, forgive me. But uh, I appreciate them, though. But regardless of the fact, if, if he did... It may not have no skin in the game, but can I tell you that family would be impacted because when somebody takes something that belongs to you, it'd be just like me walking up tonight, and I'd never do this, but if I was walking here as a stranger and try to take that young lady from your family, I would expect you to fight me with everything you've got because you've got a lot of money and time and money and money invested into them. Miss Natalie, can I say amen? Brother Jason might say you can have her, but either way, I'm just saying it's an investment. That's an investment. If another pastor came here tonight and said, man, I need to build a youth program, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you $5 for every young person in here. How foolish would I be to say, you can have them. Now, after camp, we might be able to negotiate. But after right now, you're still mine. Why is that? I've got investment in it. I believe with all my heart, Shammah stood as a mighty man of David and fought and risked his life because of the crop. He knew that there needed to be something. Can I tell you something tonight? You may not know this and you may not believe me, but this church needs you to be in your place. And we need this church to be here in its place. Brother Brandon, I could make it without this church. I can't. I can't. Brother Brandon, there's a lot of other churches. I know that, but this is my church. Now I've got to stay. Malachi joined. I was fixing to leave, and he joins. And now we got, I'm just kidding. But, but, but he stayed. Why, why is that? He came to the point, started asking questions, Brother Josh. He said, listen, and I convicted him. I knew he was wanting to, and he was scared to death. I said, well, I'll just tell you how it is. I said, if you want to help in Bible school with registration, you've got to be a member of the church. If you ain't a member of the church, you can't help me. And he said, I'm joining Sunday night. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that, but. He, he wanted to be a part of it. It gives him a desire to belong to something. We ought to stand up for our church. Our pastor said we ought to fight for our church. Maybe not fist fight, but if it comes to it, bless the Lord, whatever it may happen. Listen, I understand the importance of church, but man, Shammah here, he stood because of the crop. Not only did he stand because of the crop, but quickly, I thought about secondly, he stood not only because of the crop, but he stood because of the cowards or those leaving. I found it was a start with a C, so I don't mean to use the word coward, but that's exactly what it is. Those that run. Those that I remember vividly, and I don't know why I'm telling my life stories tonight, but that's all I know is all I got. I was, uh, me and Miss Christy, we weren't even dating at that time. I don't think my family was at the beach. You were at the beach with a friend, 
And uh, we were in South Myrtle, which I don't ever have a desire to go back to again. And we met Christy and her friend that night. There, and we were we walking and talking down there and, and places that probably wasn't too safe. But we were still friends, but not dating. Probably should be dating, but I was a boneheaded idiot. So we wasn't dating at that time, Brother Devin. She could say amen right there. But I remember very vividly, my brother was to the age, he wanted to be tough. And he wasn't tough. And him and his little friend, there was a guy come by us playing some kind of jungle music out of his car window. And my brother yelled, hey, turn it down. Well, that guy stopped in the middle of South Myrtle Beach in the strip and got out of his car. Not one of them, not two of them, not three of them, but four of them got out of that car. And Tyler and his friend ran as fast as they could run behind this dumpster down there somewhere around the, the, what, the Bowery, whatever it is down there. They took off running towards a dumpster and left me standing there by myself with my future wife. They could have killed her and it had been Tyler's fault. But I told him, guys, I said, man, don't listen to him. He's an idiot and I don't know who he is. And they got back in their car and they left. And when he said, they got back up there and he, started, he finally caught back up, he said, man, we had you back. And I said, you are crazy for about getting me killed. He ran. When times got hard, he didn't stick up. He said it. He ran, Brother Kevin. I tell you, there's nothing worse than running from something when you ought to stand up for something. I tell you, in your Christian life, there's going to be times that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. You ought to pray for our deacons as well. There's going to be decisions, Brother Harold, that somebody ain't going to like. You're just going to have to pick out which tulip patch, Brother Josh, you're going to walk in this month and which one you're going to leave along this month. It ain't going to be easy. Somebody's going to be mad. I mean, you try. I can't please four people in my house. You try to please 150 in this place. I'm telling you, it ain't going to be easy. But when things get hard, we can't run. We can't run away. We can't shy away from something because if it's in God's Word, if our pastor stands for it, then whether Malachi agrees or not, we can't run. Shammah stood because of the crop. He stood because of the cowards. The Bible says in verse number 11, and all the people fled. And I get it. There's been times that I've wanted to run. But James, there's been times that I've wanted to flee, but somebody had to stand. They feared the enemy more than they feared God, but they, they, they jumped ship when things got hard. They, they saw a way out and they took it. Don't start slipping. You say, Brother Brandon, I would never get out of church. I would never do this. I would never run. I would never walk away from the things of God. That, that, that family you were talking about earlier, it'll never be my family. Can I tell you, when you start slipping, sometimes it's hard to stop. When you start slipping, sometimes it's hard to stop. Brother Harold, I'll just, I'm just being honest tonight and transparent. I guarantee if we went to families that used to come here 40 and 50 years ago, and some of them was our families, and I would ask them, did you ever think, if I could get them to honestly admit, Miss Linda, would you ever think you'd be in the situation you are now and be out of church and never be back in church? Did you ever think that would happen? Brother Dalton, they'd say, absolutely not. I'm talking about Sunday school teachers. And, and I'm talking about, you say, Brother Brandon, why are you preaching on this? Because, listen, Brother Adrian, it can happen to us just as easy as it happened to anybody else. And I don't want to slip. I do not want to slip. Brother Brandon, let me understand this. You can witness to the lost. You can win the lost. But don't let yourself start walking with the lost. Because I promise you, I've heard it too many times. I'm going to date this person because I know I can change them. No, you can't. God can change them. You can witness to them. And God may save them and put you together. But if you get in that relationship when they're not willing to attend church or be faithful to God's house or get help, they're going to pull you away every single time. Every single time. Just keep standing. You need Faith Community Baptist Church. But Lynn, tonight, we don't need to surround ourselves with quitters. Now, I hate losing, and I'm almost done. I hate losing. I've told you before, I will cheat before I got to lose. Playing basketball down there, when I pick teams, I stack them. And sometimes they let me down. I mean, Hoyt, he's, he's, he's ice. He stands in one spot, Brother Josh, but you throw in the ball, he's going to make the shot. Every once in a while, he lets me down, and he don't hit the backboard. But I'm still going to pick him every time because nobody guards him, and he's always open. So that's just Brother, Brother Hoyt's position in basketball. 
But I don't like quitting worse than I like losing. Somebody that says they're going to stand with the Lord and stand with our pastor and stand and stand and stand, and all of a sudden when I see them, I'm not being ugly, but when they quit, they don't realize the impact it has. They do not realize the impact it has. Shammah understood the importance of continuing to serve the Lord and to serve his king. Can I encourage you tonight quickly, don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your parenting. Let me understand something, and I, I, I know to Josiah this morning, Miss Kaylin had a sheet in, pre, in, in Sunday school about stuff about your dad. Well, apparently I'm 47 and two foot tall, so he ain't got his numbers quite down right. But he did say, my favorite thing to do is fight with me playfully. And he did say, Brother Allen, thankfully the greatest thing about his dad is that he loves his mama. And I like that part, and I helped, that helped me a whole lot. But I ain't two foot tall, and I ain't 47. But I am a parent of a 10-year-old now and a 4-year-old. So I can say something. I finally, when I figured when Malachi got to 10, I could start preaching on parenting because I'd been there 10 years. I still don't know nothing about parenting. But I will tell you this. I love him. I love him. Brother Adrian, he is not to be my best friend. I'm to be his dad. Now, man, I want to be his best friend. I don't want him to hate me. I want him to love me. I want him to think it's cool. And he's hard to the point telling his mom and Chick-fil-A when his friends are in there, don't you hug me. Do not hug me. I mean, he may not tell me that because I'm going to lay one on him in a heartbeat. Now, why is that? I want him to love me. But Brother Josh, if he grows up not to love me, but he still respects me, still stays in church, I can live with that. Amen. I can live with that. I know what it's like now when my dad says, and I have to eat it. And I'm not admitting it. I'm going to see my dad when I leave here, and I'm not there going to tell my dad, you were right, because that hurts. Maybe when I have to say that. It still hurts, Brother Allen. But there's been a lot of things that I've realized he wasn't so crazy when he told me I could and couldn't do this and that he was watching out for me. And I remember the day that he brought me my truck, my first truck to Fort Bush, 31, 10, 50, 15 Remington Mud Brutes and a cell phone with a pull-out antenna. I remember that. Now, why couldn't I have a cell phone? I'm not bashing if your kids got cell phones. I'm just saying I appreciate my heritage and I appreciate the protection of my parents more than ever right now. Can I tell you why it's worth not quitting? Because somebody depends on you. The crop's important. The, the cowards, listen, understand this. People are going to leave. Brother Brandon, there's a whole lot more leaving that's coming. I guarantee you that's right. I've threatened before. I've threatened before. The greatest time to go soul winning is during church. Now, we can't do that because our pastor would frown on that. But could you imagine going to somebody's house on Sunday morning about uh, 11, 15, knocking on the door and saying, where do you go to church? Because you know they're lying. They ain't in church. It's the greatest time to go. Right now, I guarantee you, there's at least 15 at the, at the gas station talking about nothing because there ain't nothing there to eat. There ain't no subway. They ain't doing nothing, but they ain't in church. But y'all know I'm telling the truth. Why is that? Because I'm telling you, many will leave. Few will come. But can I encourage you tonight on a Sunday night at our church, just keep standing because no matter who leaves, he stood because of the crop. He stood because of the cowards. Thirdly, quickly, he stood because of his convictions. Verse number 12, the Bible says, but he stood in the midst of, of the ground. Now get this, we may not get to number four, and that's fine, we'll finish it Wednesday or finish it a year from now, whenever. But he stood in the midst of the ground. Look at your Bible, verse number 12. The Bible says, But he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Why did he stand in the middle? I'll tell you why he stood in the middle. He wanted everybody there to know he was standing for what he stood for. That day that King David, the one he's serving, you remember the story in the Valley of Elah when he went down to, to, to fight the Philistine? What was Saul and all the army doing? They were standing up on the hillside, by the way, and scared to death. David, not being cocky or not being, you know, look at me, but they, he took off the armor. and he didn't, he didn't holler at him from on top of the hill saying, hey, come up here where I've got backup. No, he walked out in the middle of that valley, and he said, listen, you come to me with your armies. I, I paraphrase, I come to you in the name of the Father. And I'm thankful he slung that rock, hit that guy in the head. I don't know if they were, people, I've seen pictures of angels and everything else. I don't know how it got there, but that dude rocked him in the head, cut his head off, 
and everybody knew that his God was God. Amen. Same with Elijah on Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel experience. Same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stepped out in the middle because they had some convictions about what they believed in, and God helped them. Brother Brandon, what is a conviction? A conviction is not necessarily an opinion. A conviction is something that God's laid on your heart from Scripture that you know to be right. You say, Brother Brandon, what is a conviction? Well, I believe the Bible that I'm holding, Brother Dalton, not only is a commandment, but it's a conviction. This is it. The red, I mean, I vividly went into a bookstore before, and I don't mean what I was preaching on, but I had to buy another version. I felt like the worst sinner in the world because I had to have an example for that night. I didn't want nobody to see me. I had a hood over my head. I didn't want nobody to know me. And then I got in trouble when I went in there, and the lady said, what are you looking for? And I almost said a Bible, but I said a book. She said, what kind of book? And then I said, well, a Bible. And she said, well, why? And she went back there, and I said, I could tell that I was offending her, but I, that's why I shop at Gullians. There ain't but one option at Gullians, Brother Kevin. But I'm just saying my options is this. That's a conviction. Brother Josh, you can't waver me on that because that's been concreted in my life to where I'm going to die with that same conviction. You say, Brother Brandon, I don't believe that. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I believe it enough for both of us, but I understand this. We've got to have convictions. If you're going to defend something quickly tonight, you're going to have to get in the middle of it. If you're going to defeat your giants, Brother Mike, we're going to have to step out. That day in the Valley of Elah, all those experiences, Shammah stood right in the heart of what God had gave him. As a dad, today is Father's Day. If I could encourage you as a dad, I know our mothers are just as important, more important sometimes than our father, but we need, as our pastor said this morning, and by the way, everything he said this morning about a man, I totally 100%, Brother, Brother Matt said 150%, stand behind him. I want my little boy, when I showed Josiah a picture of a rainbow, Brother Kevin, I want him to know that the rainbow doesn't stand for what this world says it's standing for. It stands for a promise of God. When he sees it, I want him to know that. I want him to know it. You say, Brother Brandon, why in the world should we have convictions? Because let me tell you, as a dad, I need to be in the middle of my home. I need to be in the middle of my marriage. I need to be in the middle of my kids' life and in their business. You say, Brother Brandon, and I know I'm launching out. My teenagers are going to hate me, but tonight, Malachi said, he's only said it one time. He said, listen, I'm going to go in my room and shut the door. I said, that'd be the worst thing in the world you can do because saws all hammer. I'm not good at carpentry. Carson knows that. We put the bump beds together with a hammer and screws. Those don't, those don't go together. But that door is coming off. Why? Because I want him to know that I love him enough to be in the middle of his life, Amen. not just on the edge of his life, but in the middle of his life. Brother Brandon, he ain't going to like that. Well, it's, it's, it's what it is, Brother Matt. That's right. And I love him. And I, I do want to, I'm not picking on him. I am picking on him tonight. He's going to hate me after church is over. I can tell you this. But, man, just be in the middle of it. Something's going on, be in the middle of it. It breaks my heart as a youth pastor to get a phone call and say, listen, my kid's involved in this, and I had no clue they was involved in it. Listen, I know there's things going on we can't tell, but we ought to know what's going on in their life. We ought to know. You ought to be close enough to sense it. When something's wrong, I can tell when Miss Christie's mad at me. I can pick it out every time. She can lie and say nothing. Well, nothing means something at our house. Amen. Brother Evan, I don't know if you've got that down at your house, but my house, nothing. When she ain't talking, something ain't working. And most of the time, it's something I did. So I start playing replay on my day, and what did I do? What did I do wrong? Because I know it was me. If something went wrong, Jeremy, it's got to be me that something went wrong at our house. You say amen to that. But I say, man, what do I, why? I can sense it, and it bothers me. I can go to bed and say, I don't care. Just let her be mad. I didn't kiss her goodnight. Let me tell you, it bothers me because I know something's bothering her. Why is that? I want to be in the middle of our marriage. I want to be in the middle of my parents or my children. I want to be in the middle of our church. When something's going on in our church and I can sense it, I want to be in the middle to help our pastor not only dissolve it but also make it better to go on. Why do we have, I'll just skip ahead. We may not finish this tonight, but why in the world is our desire? He says, like, Brother Brandon, you're never satisfied. 
Brother, Brand, Brother Brian's never satisfied, by the way. And always like, we want to, what's next? What's next? What's next? And some of you are saying, man, I'm just tired. We've been to revival meetings and, and revivals that, that branch off of college and career meetings, and we just keep having this and this. And, man, July is packed. We've got summer camp coming up. Why in the world do we keep moving forward? I can tell you why. Because we keep moving forward. We keep striving for better. And I'm not the pastor, but I'm thankful I have the same vision that he has. Brother Matt, when you're striving for something better, it's taking up all the slack. It's taking up all the area for, 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 for easiness or the word I'm using tonight, start with a C, I can't, whatever, the comfortable or something like that. It takes up for it. Why is that? Complacency. That came out finally. Complacency. Why is that, Brother Matt? But I can tell you within 15 minutes here, I can take you to churches, Brother Mike, that there's Sunday school rooms that the lights hadn't been turned on in in two years. Two years. They don't have to clean those rooms, Brother Allen. They don't have to have cleaning crews come in and worry about they're going to pick up the chairs or what they're cleaning or, Brother Josh, stock paper towels because there's no need. One roll of paper towel and one bottle of soap will last a year because one service a week is all they've got. Brother Brandon, you shouldn't say that on live air. I'm telling you, it could be us in a matter of moments. But I'm telling you, it's so important to press forward. I remember our first year, and I'll just give you a, a character checkup of our church. Some people have a heart attack. I thought it was funny. We joke on it oftenly, and I'm closing, Brother Evan. I done said that, but I'm serious right now. So Savannah, pick out a song of something of this mess I preach. Whatever you want to, you can play, you can play all despair and agony on me if you want to. I don't care. But here's my thought. I remember my first year here, Brother Wayne. We sit back, you look back in the notes. Our first, I'm fixing to scare some of you because you ain't been to a business meeting in a long time. And I, ain't, I know some of you can't come. But we paved the parking lot. We spent all that money. The next business meeting, Brother Josh, the business meeting had a whole lot more people in it than it did. Because we spent $160,000, somebody's going to show up the next time saying, what the world are they doing with all the money in the church? But I remember vividly, Brother Allen, the first year I was here, I guess it had been the following year, because I just had came here on December 1st, and me and Miss Christie went to CYF by herself that year, first time ever, not having kids. It was wonderful. I'm just kidding. I missed our kids. But the next year, I think our budget, we rented a house at Cherry Grove. Some of you kids were there. Food, lodging, gas, everything was $5,500. That's a lot of money. $5,500 took everybody. I remember that. I remember the trip vividly. Had girls on one level. I remember Miss Nicole was in that group. And explain this to me. Everybody had a place to sleep. And I walk in there and Mia, Bria, Nicole, Kylie, everyone at Casey, they were all in one king bed. And the other bedrooms were empty. I'm thinking, you can't fix this. I can't explain. They were laid crossways. Devin and Cameron in there, all the drinks in the, in the y'all know what I'm talking about, Mr. all the drinks you can think of in the, in the living room. I said, don't take drinks upstairs. And Cameron and Devin's got Dr. Pepper's hid in their bathroom cabinet. It's like I'm going to ration them when it comes time to go there. I say, don't sleep with the window open. I walk in there and there's sea breezes blowing in their windows because their windows broke open. And Miss Beth, you were there. There's footballs going up and down the second floor. I think Miss Beth caught a football out of the kitchen window and all them boys took off running. I mean, wonderful times, but $5,500 in just a few months. We're going to head to the coast, and not only with expenses going up, but we're easily pushing 15000 or more for a winter trip. You say, Brother Brandon, that scares me to death that we're investing that much money. Sometimes it scares me to death, Brother Josh, to ask for that much money. But then we get down there, and we see all the churches that would have never, ever had an opportunity to see God do something for your youth group had it not been for a church that God has blessed, investing in those lives and making it possible. They leave out of there, and they, not to me, but they say to our church, that's the best youth meeting we've ever been to. Those young people, some of those girls, it's the first time, really, I mean, I'm serious, some of those girls, they, when they get there, they run past me because it's the first time they've ever seen the ocean in their life. And I've seen it so many times, I don't ever care. I went, the last time I went to the beach, I didn't even go down to the ocean. Now, how kind of a dad am I? We stayed at a place, but Alan, we didn't even see the beach. I know it's there. I got faith God didn't move it, so I didn't need to see it. My wife sings differently. But what a blessing it is to be able to go to a church that 
has a vision. I'm talking about just keep standing tonight. Just stand knowing that the investment that we're making changes the life of young people. Shama here, one of these mighty men tonight, Brother Josh, he not only stood because of the crop that con- of the cowards, the convictions, the things that, that mattered to him in his life. One thing that I agree on with Pastor Brian as well, as I said, just keep striving forward to make things better because our church is better for it. This is where I was at, Brother Mike. I got it in bold letters, choir practice, play practice, children's church, whatever we're doing, do it with everything you've got. Do it with everything you got. I, make, I jokingly say the most important part of children's church is the snacks and the juice. If you forget snacks and juice, it ain't going to be good, Miss Jenny. But can I tell you more importantly than that, when those little ones, they're coloring and you don't think and worth, man, he's not here tonight, but he, that little boy's a genius. He'll be coloring and you don't think he's doing anything. And all of a sudden you ask a question about a Bible character and he speaks up and says the answer. And it's right. Why is that? Because they're listening, Miss Jenny. They're building foundations that will one day change their life of the stories of Moses Jonah, Noah, and all of those. Can, can I encourage you tonight? Just keep standing. Miss Savannah's coming. Shammah stood tonight because of the crop, what he had invested. He stood tonight. The Bible said he stood when everybody else left. And by the way, God gave him a great victory, and I'm closing with this. Shammah stood because of the crop of the, the cowards, those leaving, the, the, the convictions that he had. But he also stood because of previous champions. You look at your Bible. We don't, we don't have time to go through it tonight. But in verse number 8, Adino slew 800 at one time. Verse number 9, Eleazar smote the Philistines with a sword. He fought so much that the sword was claved to his hand. He couldn't open his hand, but God gave him the victory. So I believe that day she begins to play when, when Shammah walked out into that patch there of lentils. I believe all my heart, Brother Brian or Brother Allen, he said knowingly, he said, I know I'm risking everything, but if he'll do it for Eleazar, if he'll do it for Adino, if he'll do it for David, if, he could, if he's already proven it, i got every bit of confidence knowing if I stand, he's going to stand with me too. Can I tell you tonight, maybe you're wavering, maybe your family's in a mess, maybe not, maybe everything's perfect here. I'm not convicting this church or trying to condone this church tonight or, or put something under a rug or cover it up or sweep it under a rug, but just simply understand the importance. Whether this is the only message God allows me to preach here, whether I preach the rest somewhere else, but just keep standing. Man, God's doing great things at this church. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to hear people come by and say, hey, I heard your pastor on the radio the other day. It's a blessing to come by and churches asking us, Brother Allen, how do y'all do this? Or, or can, you, can you help me do slides like this? How do, how do y'all do this? How do, how do y'all, and wanting a pattern, not because we're perfect, but just because the world sees that we're standing. How does your youth ministry work? How does your college and career ministry work? Would you be willing to, to come help our kids? Would you be willing to do this? Would you be willing for your pastor to come preach revival at our church? Why are they longing? Why is Faith Community Baptist Church helping so many? Because somebody decided to stand. And I encourage you tonight, we ought to keep standing no matter what. I'm closing. She's playing tonight. Shama stood because of the crop, in spite of the cowards, because of his convictions, because of the champions. Somebody is depending on you. Somebody is depending on me. Out of something that I said tonight, and this may be a mess to you, it may be great to you, it doesn't really matter to me. This is what God's given me on my heart. But understand this, it is very important just to keep standing. And if we'll keep standing, God will keep blessing. As we stand tonight with our head bowed and our eyes closed, Lord, we thank you tonight for loving us. I thank you, God, tonight for our church. I thank you, God, for those that invested in my life. I thank you, God, for those that stood in the way that I may know that there is a true way. God, that there is a right way. I pray, God, you'd help us tonight as we think about our hearts and contemplate our families. God, to keep standing. Stand in the midst of it. God, stand in everything. God, but above all, stand for you. These men did it for David. God, I want to do it for our pastor. God, I want to do it for our church. God, but more importantly, God, I want to do it for you. May you help us tonight. As she sings, you stand, you contemplate where you are. The altars are open.
Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. 
Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.